Well, the message today is Jesus Christ, our advocate. Now, this is found in John, 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And we find in these scriptures, and I'll read it, And if any man sin, we have an advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, who is Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, those two little words seemingly are advocate and propitiation. We think, well, they're not too bad. They're just big words that have to figure out what they mean. You don't know how many different (laughs) commentaries and things and different theologies associated with those two. So hopefully, I'll straighten it all out and you'll go home totally understanding what it is. And all those great philosophers and theologians, I'll just pull it all together and we'll have it nailed whenever we leave today. Amen. Thank you. Somebody says you must be having a good day. Hey, it's always a good day. You're standing up, you're breathing, and if you're not, let me know. I'll call the ambulance and uh, we'll go from there. So (laughs) I don't know what's wrong today, but anyhow, I am grateful. What's that, dear? I haven't stopped since I got up. (laughs) So I was sleeping, that's what it is. This is a dream, you know. (laughs) All right, well, the Bible abounds with the law-making analogies. And so we see that Jesus, he is where we find the mercy seat. He is the one, and you know, we just sang about and all mercy and and things, that God is the, the merciful one. Jesus is our advocate, and he is, there is a correlation between the government of God, and the government of man. So in the kingdom of heaven, there are two main perspectives. One is Jesus Christ, and the other is the Holy Spirit. These are the perspectives, the representatives of God that, that, well, that we are aware of and that work in our lives. And of course, we know there are angels and, 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 and working also. But, so the title given to Jesus Christ is, He is our Advocate. So what is an advocate? An advocate is one who speaks in our defense. The foundation for the word means one called alongside. We often hear this definition in reference to the Holy Spirit, which is the paraclete. The gospel emphasizes the Holy Spirit is sent from the Father, and he is sent to alongside, to walk with us in each situation. But the advocate signifies one called into a person's defense, a helper in court. Now, why do we need a helper in court? Now, one of the things we have to understand is all of this takes place in moments and instances. You know, it isn't like this is an ongoing battle between God and uh, Satan and that you've got a, you know, there's a lengthy court series going on. Judge Judy presides. You know, it's not that. You know, every week there's new entertainment. Well, that's not what it is in our life. That there is this, this instant in which we come before the, the throne of God, we come to Jesus Christ and ask him for forgiveness. So he is the one who, is the, he is the one who forgives us because he is the sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So in order for us to be forgiven, we must have this advocate who is on our side. He is for us. Now, the devil, he is against us. 
Why is he against us? The devil wants to destroy what God has created. The intent of God is to create people, create us, that we will walk with him and have fellowship with him, and that we'll be, we will be together with him now and for eternity. The devil's decision is he, he wants worship. He wanted to dethrone God and set himself up in place of God. And so what did he do? God kicked him out of heaven, and so his desire is to destroy everything that he can before he gets his final sentence to the lake of fire. So in that case, we have an advocate, one who is pleading our, our case. So the, an advocate, then, is the one who pleads the case of another, one who represents another. Jesus represents you. Okay? Now, that's why we, we have, if we understand what the gospel is trying to tell us, that we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. So our advocate then stands in our defense. He is the one who, he doesn't say, You're, you've never sinned. He says, you have sinned. You have broken the, the law of God. But I have forgiven you. See, that's the difference. The, the devil, he uses the guilty conscience, the self-talk, that tries to get us to betray our spiritual self, to get us to fall into the trap of beating ourselves up and saying we're no good and we can never overcome this and all that. And God says we are more than conquerors, that he has given us his spirit, he's given us his word, and we have the help of the Holy Spirit, and we can become confident in what God has purposed for our life. So, the, we find that the purpose of this advocate is to secure justice. He is to secure justice in, the case, uh, in case any question involving the justice is tried to be fudged. <laughs> you know, the devil, it's, it's a, you know, we think of it in the context that it, it's, a, it's a battle between good and evil, yes, but the battle is for our soul. Now, Jesus has already paid the price, and we know that we are saved, and we know that we're going to heaven because of our relationship with Christ. But the challenge for us, then, is not to give in to temptation, that to turn away from that which is evil, to turn away from that which would come between us and God. So we're in this walk with God in which our advocate is always on our side and, you know, pleading or pleading our case. Now, the Bible represents the sinner as condemned already. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The wages of sin is death. Did you know that people earn the right to go to hell? <laughs> wages. Um, but the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life comes from God himself who created us and birthed us and birthed the spirit in us where his spirit can feel at home in us. So that's why we cannot earn the right to go to heaven. It's a gift of God. Well, look at all the good things I've done. Well, that's, that's good. But we do them in response to following Christ. So we do good works. We do good things. But it's, you know, we're not trying to balance the scales here. I've done all these sins. I've got to do some good things here to balance it out so I can get to heaven. No. 
The wages of sin is, is death. You know, there's, you just earn the right to go to hell. The forgiveness of God is forgiving us so completely. Now, if you, you know, take this sheet of paper here, got lots of stuff on it, and there's lots of, you know, people can say, well, that's our sin. Well, some people say, well, God erases all that. Well, no, God doesn't erase it. He just gives us a new sheet. <laughs> he erases our sin, and it starts all over. There's no trace of what was on the other, uh, what was on the other page. We are forgiven so completely, there is no trace of that sin. Now, what happens is, <laughs> we are tempted. And that we are tempted in our weaknesses. The devil doesn't tempt you in your strengths. He tempts you where you are the weakest. So everyone has weak points. Just the way we are, we're human. <laughs> so we, and it's not an excuse, it's just the truth. <laughs> so we have weaknesses. And the devil will try to tempt us. But, you know, whenever you're preparing for a game, <laughs> playing ball, playing sports, when you're playing uh, you know, preparing for a test, you, you are preparing yourself for the moment in which you're going to play the game or when you're going to take the test. You're preparing so when that point comes, you know what to do. Well, the same thing is we prepare ourselves for temptation. We shore ourselves up, strengthen ourselves in the Scripture and in our faith and in our relationship with Christ. So that when the temptation comes, we recognize it for what it is. It is just the enemy of our soul trying to trip us up. You know, why? Because he, he, he's a sinister guy who just wants to get even with God for not letting him be God. <laughs> you know, I think he's kind of foolish, but he, you know... One of the things um, that really makes evil, Satan, shudder, cringe. You know what that is? It's your faith. <laughs> your faith makes hell scared. Because they know, evil knows who Jesus is. There is not a devil in hell and anywhere that doesn't know Jesus, doesn't know the name of Jesus, because they once served God in heaven, and they know who he is. He created them, and they somehow got themselves misled into following Satan, and God kicked them out of heaven, and now they know that their end is drawing near, that they, the freedom that they have in hell is, and that's no freedom at all, but is soon going to be totally thrown into the lake of fire for eternity, and they are scared to death of that sentence. But we have an advocate. We have one who prays for us, who believes in us. Did you know he believes in you? He believes in your ability. He believes in who you are as a person. He believes that he has given to you the capabilities of becoming what he designed you to be. Jesus believes in you, and as we have our faith in him, we find out how much he believes in us. 
Because why would he tell us you can be more than a conqueror if he didn't think we could be? Why would he say that all things work together in a divine plan for good if he didn't think it would happen? He puts that in the word and his spirit comes to assure it in our life. And this advocate, the one who is on our side, uh, pleading our case, you know, he doesn't make excuses. God does not make excuses for us. Well, you know, they had a hard day today and it was easy for them to get tripped up and this sin was just appeared out of the blue and it just caught them off guard. And no, Jesus doesn't make excuses. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My, his love is made perfect, his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. We would think that he would strengthen our strengths and you know, when you, when you really think about um, your own personal growth and development. It used to be, you know, I, I don't know how, if any of you have ever studied it or thought about it. We used to think, well, you know, you've got, say you have ten qualities in your life that, you're, that are part, some of them are very low and some of them are, you know, good or better. You know, like my quality of singing. On a scale of one to ten, it's a minus two. Minus three, you know, it's somewhere down there. You know, but my speaking, you know, you know, when I was 16 or 17, I was afraid to stand in front of people. You know, it was just one of those things, and God calls me to be a minister, and now he doesn't shut up. So, <laughs> you know, he can't finish on time, you know. You know so, you know, I just, just can't get it all together. But, so, we would think, well, maybe I need to go to some... Um, school of music and learn how to sing and you know all that to try and take my voice from a minus two to a three or four well god is not interested in <laughs> taking your weaknesses and making them average he's he's taking our strengths that we have from a seven or an eight he wants to take them to a nine or a ten you see god is interested in taking us up and and building us up not only in our faith, but in our relationship with him and in our ability of what we do and how we serve him. He is our advocate to help us in this whole process. You know, I never like to study. Now I do it every week. <laughs> I hated school. <laughs> I shouldn't tell you that, but I did. I didn't like school. Whenever we first walked into the school over across the street that isn't there, <laughs> We walked in, and they had the wooden floors, and they had that stuff you put on wooden floors and sweep it up. And I walked in there, and I go, oh, smells like a school. Rhonda walks in at the same time. She goes, oh, smells like a school. <laughs> you know? She was all happy. Wow. I'm like, oh, reminds me of terrible days. You know? So it's just the way that we look things, and we look at things, and God has a way of helping us to go beyond what we thought we could ever be and he wants to take us to new levels and to take us on for there and so he is an advocate he is always there for us he doesn't say we've never failed he says we can do all things through christ he is praying for us that god is on our side so we don't hide from the truth we don't hide from what's wrong we deal with it in a healing way and that's the way of the Spirit. The Spirit is the developer and leader of us in truth. 
And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So our advocate would not be someone who wants us to tell a lie every once in a while, fake it. He wants us to deal with the truth of what it is and that he then will help us fill in the gaps to take up what is necessary in our life to fulfill what he has called us to be. So he must be the uncompromising friend of heaven. Jesus is the uncompromising friend of heaven. He is the uncompromising friend of sinners. He is the uncompromising friend of his children. (laughs) How can you be that? He is all things. All things to all people. And his goal is to take those who are weighted down with sin and that let them come to the place where they will be honest with themselves before God and ask for a completely new slate of life. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. You know, there, there used to be that commercial with the guy with chain, a chain, and he's dragging, he's dragging a house behind him or whatever. And some people go through life dragging their past, you know? I remember, <laughs> I haven't used this illustration for a long time. The guy, he's walking along the road carrying this heavy trunk, you know? This huge trunk he's got on his back and he's carrying it. And a guy comes along in a horse and buggy, you know, a horse and wagon, and he offers him a ride. And he says to the, the guy, get in. He says, oh, no, my, I got this heavy trunk and, and everything. And, you know, I, I don't want to burden your horses down. The guy says, I got two horses pulling this empty wagon. Get in. So the guy gets in. He's, he's in the back. And the, the guy who's driving turns around, and he says to the man, why are you holding the trunk on your back? He says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you gave me a ride. I couldn't let you possibly carry the weight of this trunk. How dumb we are. God has forgiven us, and he can take all of, you know, we're already in his presence, we're already in his hands, and he can handle it. God says, I got this. Now, do your part. I'll be there with you. Now, So Jesus, our advocate, was uncompromising to the law that was dishonored. The law says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Okay? The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The sentence is already there. It is complete. It's over. That sin brings death. So God didn't do away with the law He fulfilled grace. The law needed something to set it right. You know, in the Old Testament, in the Sunday school, we've been talking about the um, tabernacle in the Old Testament and how that everything was put together in a certain way. And you come into the the, um, court inside the the, the outer walls, you know, in in the Old Testament that was made of fabric, and anyhow, you come right in. What, do you, what are you introduced to as soon as you come in? The altar. What is it that we're introduced to whenever we come to Jesus Christ? The cross. The altar was a place of sacrifice for sin. But we find in the Old Testament it was only a covering. But in Christ, it is the removal. 
And so we encounter Christ. And he forgives us of our sins. And the next instrument, the next object in this progression into the holies of holies, into the presence of God, is a basin in which the priests were to wash themselves before they entered the presence of God. What happens to us? We are washed by the water of the word. We are cleansed. He has cleansed us from our sin. He has set us free from that which was destroying us and weighting us down. Our advocate, Christ, has forgiven us. He has washed us clean. And then we are able to enter into his presence. Jesus says, come boldly to the throne of God that we are to come boldly to the, um, our Father, that he is, he is welcoming us. That's why Christ has come. He welcomes us into his presence. So the law was a shadow of who Jesus is. These were all necessary. They were the first part to prepare the way for the second part, which is Christ. So the advocate does not offer the law as unreasonable. He doesn't say the law is unjust or unfair. The advocate must be righteous, that he must be free of any partnership with the sinner or with the sin itself. So he who knew no sin became sin for us. He took upon himself the sin of the world. He had no sin. But he took on your, my, your sin, my sin, the sin of the world, and he took that to the cross as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In the Old Testament, they offered these sacrifices as coverings. Once a year, they would offer a lamb and take the blood into the holies of holies, and in the holies of holies, there was this box. <laughs> it was known as the... Um, what was it known as? It was known as the, I'll come to it in a minute, but inside, inside this box was the Ark. There we go, the Ark of the Covenant. Inside this Ark, was the title of it, was uh, Aaron's rod that budded. It was uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the stone Ten Commandments, and a pitcher of manna. But on top of that Ark, there was two cherubs, two angels, and their wings were folded together from the other side and this side, and underneath their wings, that was the mercy seat. That was where the high priest came once a year to bring the blood of the lamb and sprinkle on the mercy seat for the congregation of Israel. Well, Jesus, is, his blood was shed, and on that mercy seat, God's presence that is where he offered himself for the forgiveness of our sins. Those were situations of the Old Testament that foreshadowed Christ. Now, I think one of the great, one of the great illustrations, of course there's many of them, Jesus, he gave this illustration about the prodigal son, meaning this, this young man decided that he wanted his inheritance he wanted it, and he was going to get it, and he demanded his father give it to him. Now, this should, have, this should not have taken place until after his father's death, 
But he wanted his, in, his inheritance, and he, so he got his inheritance, and he went off to a far land, and what did he do there? He blew it all. <laughs> you know, he, he riotous living, whatever that is. Um, he was there, and you know what? His friends were his friends, and they were great until he ran out of money. People who are friends of sinners, they, they, they like the party until the party's over. They like the person until the person is no longer useful to them. Then they move away. And what happened to this guy, the prodigal son? He ends up feeding pigs. Now this was the, you couldn't get any lower in a Jewish society than to be feeding pigs. And he was so hungry the only thing he had to eat was what the pigs ate, but the pigs were more important than him, and he wasn't allowed to eat it. And it says in that place of despair, he came to himself. He remembered. He remembered that his father's servants were treated so much better than what he is now. He says, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go home and be a servant to my father because I have no right to be a son. And so he starts home. And Jesus is the one giving this illustration. He says the father is watching for his son to come home. Every day, every, all the time, he's watching for his son. He longs for his son to come home. And as soon as he sees him on the horizon, what does the father do? He runs to his son and he puts his arm around him and kisses him and welcomes him home and brings in the, the robe and the ring and welcomes him back as a son. And the boy, and it's prodigal son, I'm not worthy of this. But the father loved his son. That's what Jesus is telling us. He is our advocate who loves us. And no matter how far we've gone, no matter what riotous living we may have done or people may have done, our Father welcomes us home. Jesus is our advocate. He desires for us to enter into the presence of God. He, de he desires for us to be forgiven, that our life to be wiped clean of all sin. And he gives us the strength to continue to walk that path. The Spirit touches our life and fills us with his presence. And we are changed for eternity. That's the love of the advocate, Jesus. That's the love of the Father. That's the love of the Holy Spirit. He loves you. He desires for us to enter his presence. It is God's desire that his love be made known to our hearts and lives. Christ died for us because he loves us. It wasn't the opposite. Christ died so that God could love us. Christ died because he loves us. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like he had to die for you to be lovable. <laughs> you know, I know some of you need to change for us to take, really love you, but you know, <laughs> that's a joke. But, uh, but we find here that God loves us before there was the sacrifice. 
So that means we are approachable. God approaches us with his love. So the verdict of separation from God is over. We've turned to God the Father. Jesus has offered himself as the atonement, as the way for us to receive our salvation and our forgiveness. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And one of the, one of the th- requirements of Jesus being an advocate for us, he must be asked. We must ask him. That's why we ask for forgiveness. He is the advocate who pleads our case, but he just doesn't plead it because he's God. He wants the invitation from us to be given to him so that he can be our advocate. He can be the one who prays for us and intercedes for us. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. (laughs) And what does he do there? You know, one of the questions, he is a seated high priest. In the Old Testament, in that, what we were describing as the tabernacle, there were no chairs because the work of the priest was never done. Jesus is a seated high priest, meaning his work, his sacrifice is complete once and for all. We then have the right to the very presence of God because he loves us. And Titus 3, verses 3 to 7 This was our Sunday school lesson, but it was very important. It says, at one time we too were foolish. We were disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. (laughs) Okay? But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. Doesn't that just say it all? We were foolish and disobedient. But that isn't where it stops. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, Jesus appeared to us by his Spirit in our hearts and lives. And because of his mercy, his mercy, he has the right you know, to send us all to hell. Why? The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But he saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes the difference. We have that relationship with God that is unshakable, unstoppable, and eternal. He poured out this Spirit on us generously. The Old Testament talks about pouring the oil upon the, the, the head of, of the, the prophet and it, of David, and, and it ran down over his head and over his beard and onto his garment. It wasn't a little dabble. It was a complete pouring. 
and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon our life through Jesus Christ so that we are justified before God. Our sins, don't worry about them, they're gone. That we might become heirs of hope. 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 And this hope isn't wishful thinking, it's a definite point that we will spend eternity with Christ. Amen? Jesus, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us and take away those desires and God, take away those things that would destroy us. Take away those stumbling blocks. Take away those things that would so easily beset us. Cause us to stumble and fall. God, remove them from our life. God, give us strength and insight and, and the willingness to overcome those things. Face the realities of, of life, knowing that we have the strength of God. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the word that washes us and regenerates us and gives us new insight into life and to our walk with you. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving us. Thank you for being our advocate, the one who always intercedes for us. We can do this because Jesus prays for us. Let that thought center in, let that thought be part of your thinking. Jesus is praying for you. You cannot fail. He will give his strength and his power to you. And we give you thanks for all that you do. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Let's run over the pews and I'll shout hallelujah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. <laughs>